You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. couple of years ago miles garrett ripped the helmet off a of quarterback mason rudolph he then began to attempt to smash in the skull of mason rudolph with said helmet today he's asked about mac jones who grabbed on to brian burns's foot last week and as the carolina panthers try to make it sound like mac jones had a saw and was trying to cut burns's foot off Miles Garrett says, well, we know what kind of player Mac Jones is. We know that he's an ankle grabber. I know I got to get out of there. I can't let him do that to me. Does Miles Garrett think that we all forgot that he ripped somebody's helmet off and tried to smash a quarterback's head in with said helmet? Is he trying to pretend to the world like he's some goody two shoes that follows the rules and doesn't toe the line are we going to pretend that his then coach freddie kitchens walked around with a shirt on saying they started it or is miles garrett just like brian burns nothing but a baby back bitch welcome to talk of football with ray Hey, what's going on? Welcome to Talking Football with Ray. Believe it or not, my name is Ray, and for the next 30 minutes or so, I'm going to be talking about football with you. Lots to talk about today. Nick Chubb has been ruled out for the game on Sunday against the New England Patriots. Tua Tango Viola came in, replaced Jacoby Bursett led the Dolphins to a bit of a shocking upset over the Baltimore Ravens, which John Harbaugh is taking the blame for. The Buccaneers are going to be yet again without Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown. The Saints won't have Alvin Kamara. And that Patriots with that vastly improved red zone offense, they are now one game away from being considered true contenders. In the National Football League. But before we get started, I got to tell you that today's show is brought to you by Newsbreak because over 1 billion users have downloaded the free Newsbreak app, getting access to all of their local news and content provided by Newsbreak. However, guys, not only is Newsbreak a sponsor of my channel, they are also my bosses. 
and I have been marked as a top contributor for Newsbreak covering the entire NFL. What are you waiting for? Download the Newsbreak app with the link that I left in the description. It directly supports my channel. If you want transparency, I will give you the transparency you desire. Every time somebody downloads the Newsbreak app from my link, it directly puts money in my pocket. So download the app, get unlimited free access to all of your local news and all of my NFL content for free while also supporting the channel. It's a win-win for everybody. So please take 30 seconds, download the Newsbreak app from the link that I've left in the description. Can we talk a little bit about this crazy AFC? It's the most fun and most unpredictable thing in the world right now, is it not? Like, think about it. The Miami Dolphins beating the Baltimore Ravens was just another example of how unpredictable the AFC is, right? Like, it's been so fun. It's almost been like a dumpster fire unfolding in this entire season, but it's been so fun to watch. The Kansas City Chiefs are third in the West. They're not even in a playoff spot. The New England Patriots, who, in my opinion, are in the midst of a rebuild with a rookie quarterback, yet they're in a playoff spot in their one game behind the Buffalo Bills for the AFC East, and those Bills just lost to the Jacksonville Jaguars last Sunday. Realistically, if everything goes right for them, four teams could possibly end up making the playoffs in the AFC North, and at the very best, they're 11-win teams. The top team in the AFC, the Tennessee Titans, lost their most important player on their team, and they beat what many believe is the best team in the NFC, the LA Rams. Prior to this season starting, guys, who would have ever guessed that the Tennessee Titans would have the best record in the AFC heading into Week 10? Every preseason prediction has been thrown out the window. Kansas City Chiefs fans thinking their team's going to go undefeated was gone. It's impossible to figure out who are the true contenders and the true pretenders of the AFC. And if you look at some of the talent that some of these teams possess, you just you make assumptions, but then it doesn't come to life. And how can anybody? Take any AFC team serious at this point. Let's get in to today's news, shall we? Because I want to talk a little bit of football with all y'all on this Friday, November the 12th. I can't remember if I said that or not. Hope y'all are doing well. So the Patriots, so the Patriots and the Browns are facing off on Sunday. There's a very real possibility that both teams are going to be missing their starting quarter or running backs. I apologize. Baker Mayfield and Mac Jones are playing as of right now. So I apologize for that. But there's a good chance that Nick Chubb is going to be, or no, not a good chance. Nick Chubb is out. And on the Patriots side, Ramondre Stevenson and Damian Harris have not practiced all week because they're in concussion protocol. But let's start with what Andrew Callahan of the Boston Herald wrote. He said, the Patriots have caught a major break in the backfield. Browns running backs Nick Chubb and Demetric Felton have been ruled out for Sunday's game, Cleveland coach Kevin Stefanski announced Friday. Both players tested positive for COVID-19 earlier this week and missed all three of the team's practices. Chubb is the Browns' leading rusher and the best offensive player. Through seven games, he rushed for 721 yards and six touchdowns while averaging more than six yards per carry. 
The two-time Pro Bowler is a major reason why the Pats inside linebacker coach Gerard Mayo called defending Cleveland's run game the toughest challenge his defense will see all season. In their place, the Browns are expected to start third-year backup Dearness Johnson, who broke out for 146 yards in his only start for the season last month against Denver. Johnson is averaging 5.3 yards per attempt behind Cleveland's elite offensive line. Now, Dearness Johnson, I've already talked about him quite a bit in the past, is one of my favorite stories in the NFL. However, that Cleveland Browns offensive line is no joke. They're probably the best offensive line. I think they're all signed for the next four years, too. It reminds me of old Patriot lines where you're just elite at every single position. So just because Nick Chubb is out, and yes, he's a threat, that Cleveland line is going to make things very difficult for the Patriots. It's going to be very difficult for them to still be able to stop him they're going to have to stop him before he gets to the second level because he's going to be able to find a gap through the offensive line. So it's really going to be up to the linebackers. I don't expect the Patriots defensive line and their defensive ends to really be that big of an impact in running the game, running the stop or stopping the run game. I think a lot of this is going to come down to guys like Hightower. Juwan Bentley is going to be a huge piece in this game. I think you have to have Adrian Phillips in the box. Kyle Duggar needs to be there. Kyle Van Noy, I would almost think about dropping Matt Judon back almost into a, a zone sort of defense so he can try to cover the run, maybe drop into coverage. I believe that Jamie Collins is listed as doubtful for this game. So they're going to be missing one of the more athletic linebackers in the backfield. And I think this is an opportunity for a lot of Patriot players to step up, but this is going to be a challenge even with Chubb out. Now, it makes life a little bit easier for New England, but that offensive line is real. And Baker Mayfield was throwing the ball around last week too, so you can't even just say it's you know just a run game that can hurt them. So yeah, Chubb may be out. Of course, Kareem, uh, Kareem Hunt is still out, or I know he's not on the IR, but he's injured right now. He's not going to be playing. Stefanski already talked about that this week. A lot of people know I am a Patriots fan. My Well, most of my followers know I'm a Patriots fan. I've been a Patriots fan for a long time. And uh, it's going to be a tough game for the Patriots, even with Nick Chubb out of the game. Now, going into Thursday night football, I think some survivor pools got blown up this week. A lot of them got blown up last week when Jacksonville beat Buffalo. But I, I, I want to know who picked Miami to beat Baltimore unless you are the biggest Miami homer in the world. You got a team that's well coached. You got a quarterback who's almost impossible to stop. You got a defense that's playing well. Nothing really worked for Baltimore. And Danny Valente, the score, wrote that John Harbaugh directed blame at himself for the Baltimore Ravens' shocking 22-10 loss to the Miami Dolphins on Thursday night. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens had no answers for Miami's defense that blitzed him at an unprecedented rate. Safeties Javon Holland and Brandon Jones in particular blitzed more times than any defensive back in the game since 2016, according to next-gen stats. Baltimore's 10 points Thursday were a season low as the team felt the heat from the Dolphins' pressure. Meanwhile, Jackson only recorded 39 yards on the ground, his second lowest total of the year. I watched the game. And it was sloppy by Baltimore. 
I'm not going to come out right now and be prepared to say that Baltimore is done. They're still the leaders of the AFC North. They got Pittsburgh kind of crawling right up behind them. But you can't say they're done. However, what we saw this year was a little bit of a blueprint on how to stop Patrick Mahomes. Lamar Jackson has been a little bit more difficult to figure out. I will kind of say the Chargers kind of figured it out back in Lamar's rookie season in the playoffs when they just, I think they played, they started like seven safeties. It was all secondary players. And you contain his run game. Obviously, though, aggressive blitzing can mess them up. And I, I'm going to be honest with you, Baltimore got a little bit lucky too because their defense bent a lot, but they, they really didn't break too often. And I'm trying to think now, was it like three times Baltimore got within the 10-yard line? They were in the red zone a lot and just couldn't pound it away for a touchdown. Or that Miami got in Baltimore, I apologize. Miami got there a lot and just couldn't get touchdowns. They were settling for field goals. So I, that game could have been a lot worse. If those three field goals to start the game for Miami turn into touchdowns, that's a 21-point lead. To what, six points or whatever they had at that, Baltimore had it at that point? And Baltimore's offense had a really good starting drive. You know, and then near the end of the game, they're still kind of in it. Sammy Watkins fumbles the football. 46 seconds down two scores. You're kind of thinking like, all right, well, maybe they can come back. And then Lamar Jackson throws the interception to end it all. But I think like one of the big telling things where Baltimore, I believe, uh, uh, converted their first third down with like seven minutes left in the fourth quarter or the fourth quarter. That's not winning football for a coach who usually gets his teams ready to play winning football. They got lucky, you know, on a couple of different plays and, and the officials weren't great last night. <laughs> and I think that more calls went against Miami that were kind of questionable, but you know, Baltimore fans will tell you different. However, you can blame John Harbaugh, but that was just a poor performance by the whole team. And yes, coaches need to get their players ready, but don't players have to take accountability for poor plays? And I mean, it wasn't just on Lamar and the offense last night. Like I said, the defense, they may have not let them score the points, but they let them in the red zone too much. They let them run way too many points down. Or made, way, <laughs> made them run too many plays down before they had to make them settle for field goals. They got into that red zone a lot. And I think one thing in that Baltimore-Miami game that probably would have excited Dolphin fans a little bit was Tua back on the field, and Tua looked good. And it was really funny because you could see Brissett get really frustrated when his knee ended up being okay, and Brian Flores like, no, Tua, you're going in. And to me, a part of that was not being able to convert in the red zone. That's my opinion. And I know one of the, the, the Dolphins' touchdowns when Tua came in came off of an interception. But I or the was it the fumble, whatever it may be, came off a turnover. However, Brissett was able to drive the field with Miami, but he wasn't able to punch it in. And Tua looked pretty good. Kai Murari, the score, wrote that quarterback Tua Tagovailoa helped the Miami Dolphins upset Baltimore 22 to 10 on Thursday night football after replacing Jacoby Brissett in the third quarter. Brissett left the contest, Miami leading six to three. He completed 11 of 23 pass attempts for 156 yards before sustaining the injury. Tango Viola finished the evening with 158 yards, 8 for 13 passing. The second-year signal caller also scored a rushing touchdown late in the fourth quarter to seal the victory. If you want to win in the NFL, you got to score touchdowns, and unfortunately, Jacoby Myers couldn't do that. 
I was really, I was surprised though. I, I think a lot of people had to be surprised by that move by Flores because we just, Tua didn't play because he was hurt. Then you put him in. Obviously, he wasn't that hurt. Makes you kind of wonder why didn't he start the whole game? Like, if he was okay to put in in the third quarter and Jacoby Brissett was good to go, why not just play him the whole game? Or was it at that point that Flores thought, like, maybe Flores thought they couldn't win this game? And I hope not because that's a, that's a bad attitude by a coach. But, you know, the Dolphins have lost a lot of close games, lost a couple on kicks, that uh, one to Jacksonville, one to Atlanta. They beat Baltimore. A little bit of ball luck, a little bit of health. Like Miami could have been right in the mix in the AFC. I, the way the AFC is running, I mean, they probably got a chance to still try to compete for a playoff spot. It might be too little too late for them. And uh, But, yeah, I mean, it, good for good for Miami, I guess. If you're a Patriots fan, you're actually cheering for Miami to beat Baltimore last night because it just it helps with a lot of seeding stuff. And uh, you just you gotta. There's a part of me that just wonders why Miami was really looking at Deshaun Watson because could you really turn around and blame Tua for the losses this season? Unless they're just worried about his health. But he came in, he looked well, proved himself. Miami's a team to watch the next couple of years. I know people don't want to hear it. I know people don't want to believe it, but it's really true. So the New England Patriots are near and dear to my heart, as most people who know me know. And I was wrong about them this year. I called them an eight-win football team, nine at best. They had some moral victories at the beginning of the year, had some tough losses, obviously the one to Miami, a Damian Harris fumble. You had the 56-yard field goal in the rain against Baltimore instead of going for it on fourth down. You had the Dallas game where they lost in overtime. And I think that, you know, you look at it and their record could be better, but, you know, Bill Parcells always says you are what your record says it is. However, the last three weeks, the dominating game against the Jets, the great performance against Carolina last week, the Chargers in between, Patriots defense beginning to look elite again. They're playing the 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 Cleveland Browns, who just blew out the Cincinnati Bengals. And I think the Patriots are a win away from being considered true contenders. I think right now people aren't really they're they're 50-50 on them. But so Karen, here, here's what Karen Garrigan of the Boston Herald wrote. She said the Buffalo Bills were supposed to run away with the division. The Miami Dolphins were supposed to be competitive, and the New York Jets, Jets were supposed to stink. The Patriots, they were supposed to still lick their wounds a year after losing Tom Brady. After the slow start, the Patriots, who spent a ton of money in the offseason to rebuild a team that didn't make the playoffs last year, have gotten their act together. They've not only put themselves in a position for a wild card spot, but have made the Bills and the rest of the AFC take notice. Beating the Browns on Sunday would cement their status. Listening to the Patriots players in recent days, they clearly have their swagger back. More important, along with their established veterans, the newcomers have bought in and believe they're on course for something special, even without Odell Beckham Jr., who, of course, headed to the Rams. I mean, look, even as a Patriots fan, I, I'm probably a little bit, I'm probably a more pessimistic Patriots fan than I am optimistic. I always kind of focus on sort of the bad stuff than the good stuff, but I think you got to turn around and say, this is real. And Cleveland's a true contender. Now, Cleveland's a 50, like Cleveland's a weird team. 
because they're almost like Pittsburgh, in my opinion. They can look really, really good one week, really, really bad another week. They don't have Nick Chubb this week. Miles Garrett's hobbling around on one foot, even though he's playing. Jarvis Landry's still kind of bouncing back from his injury. However, they're still a competitive team. And I think if the Patriots win, it's going to be probably the biggest statement that they can make this season. And I'm going into this, like I went into that Chargers game thinking the Patriots are going to lose. I went into Carolina thinking the Patriots were going to win, but it was going to be a tight game. They looked in absolute control in both of those games. So I think if they can come out this week, have a strong performance, if the offensive line can hold up, Trent Brown's supposed to be back and fend off one of the best pass rushes in the league. People will have no choice but to take notice and consider the Patriots true contenders in the NFL. Now, when we talk about true contenders, I think that in the NFC, when you look around, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are just quietly the best team in the league. We talked about it yesterday. Brady's now the the Vegas odds uh, leader for MVP this year. Their defense has gotten healthy. Unfortunately, their offense has taken a bit of a hit from the health department, even though Tom Brady keeps performing week in and week out. And yet again, Tom Brady's handpicked players, Rob Gronkowski and Antonio Brown, are going to be out versus Washington, but Washington's missing a ton of players too. Ethan Cadeau of NBC4, uh, NBC4 Washington wrote, both the Washington football team and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers will be down multiple key contributors with the two clubs matchup on Sunday afternoon at FedEx Field. Tom Brady will be without his two top targets, Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski. Buccaneers head coach Bruce Arians ruled out both players for Friday. On Friday. For Washington, they'll be without receiver Curtis Samuel once again. Samuel has played in just two games in this season, 30 total offensive snaps, as he's dealt with a groin injury that has bothered him since May. Additionally, tight end Logan Thomas will miss Sunday's game for Washington and has yet to fully recover from a hamstring injury that landed him on the injured reserve. Cornerback Benjamin St. Jew, illness slash concussion, and Montez Sweat has a jaw are both out for Washington too. First of all, the Curtis Samuel move. Like, there was a lot of fan bases out there begging their teams. It happened in the Patriots fan base, begging their GMs to go out and get Curtis Samuel, and it just looks like a disaster. Just like the Julio Jones trade looks like a disaster in Tennessee. But I'm just wondering, like, this is old school Rob Gronkowski now, right? And this isn't me gloating. This is me just saying, with AB, it is what it is. He's not really an injury-prone guy. He got hurt. He'll come back. When we think of Gronk, though, he stayed relatively healthy last season, but he comes this year, hurts his ribs, comes back, hurts his back in the first game back from his rib injury, and now he's missing another game. And it's funny, because this year, I think it's fair to say he's been more involved in the game plan. He's been one of Brady's top targets as a, as a tight end. And we saw against the game against New England, where when you're able to take some stuff away in the red zone, Brady wasn't able to score. Unfortunately, not every team in the league has Bill Belichick that's able to sort of mastermind a defense and, and know Tom Brady the way he knows Tom Brady. And Brady's been able to get it done without Gronk. So, you mean, you got to tip your hat. I'll do a real tip. You got to tip your hat to Brady for how well he sort of navigated it. But again, this is sort of vintage Gronk. 
missing more and more of the season with injury. Maybe Tampa Bay is being cautious, want to save him for the, the, the postseason. I don't know. But you got to wonder at this point how much time Gronk really has left in the NFL because he left because of all his injuries and stuff before, and now it's starting to happen over and over and over again. Had to wet my whistle. So the New England Patriots have just had a weird, a weird year this year. Josh McDaniels has brilliant games of game calling, and he has these head scratchers. You think back to the, the Chargers game a couple of weeks ago, which was actually a better game for McDaniels, but they get down to the goal line and they don't run the football and they're trying to throw the ball and they end up not getting it on fourth down and the whole world is screaming at him to run the ball. Like, I don't get it. They have first and goal from the 10, and he runs the ball three times. Then he gets to the goal line. He doesn't run it once. He tries, tries to throw the ball in, the, in, in you know, these fades, these corner fades. And a lot of people blame the blame calling, the, the blame the play calling. However, there's execution too. And I think what we kept saying is, like, who's going to be the red zone threat? And Hunter Henry's been one of those guys. But one thing we have seen over the last little bit is the Patriots have vastly improved their red zone offense. How much? Well, Nicole Yang of the Boston Globe wrote through the opening two weeks of the season, the Patriots ranked dead last in the NFL in red zone touchdown percentage. They connected on just two of their first seven opportunities for a conversion rate of 28.6%. Their last three weeks though, the Patriots have scored touchdowns on nine of their 13 red zone trips for a conversion rate of 69.2%. On the season, the Patriots have converted 54.8% of their red zone trips for a touchdown, which is tied for 23rd in the league. The distribution is pretty evenly split. Nine rushing scores, eight passing. And I think that as the season goes on, you'll see the Patriots go up. And obviously, when you start off as poor as the Patriots did, your stats are going to be skewed a little bit. However... Uh, it's it's improving week in and week out. And I think that's just sort of, to me, that's like the, the story of the Patriots this year, how the team has just evolved, found their identity, and gotten better and better. We talked about how if they beat Cleveland on Sunday, they're gonna they're gonna tell the world we are true contenders. This isn't just a little stretch. We are true contenders in full in, in the NFL. And then the red zone improves. All these different things. And what we've seen is not just the players executing better. We've also seen Josh McDaniels get better. <laughs> Bill Belichick came out I was t- today or yesterday that said he doesn't think that there's that Josh McDaniels has any weaknesses as a coach, which I know drove Patriot fans crazy. And it, it made me giggle because I knew what the reaction was going to be. However, he's been better lately. Mac Jones is getting better as a rookie. The offensive line, believe it or not, is slowly but surely getting better. And Isaiah Wynn, I got to give a shout out to Isaiah Wynn. And this is going to be a lot to do with this red zone as well. A lot of us have been frustrated. I've been very vocal, especially on Twitter, about my frustrations with Isaiah Wynn. However, I think PFF put out a stat or Pro Football Talk put out a stat. Like, he's the second best rushing offensive lineman in the NFL. He's been, like, phenomenal. Something like 86.9% that are run behind him. He's not like he's he's blocking however that stat works. 
So maybe he's not as bad as we thought. And I think that the return of Trent Brown is going to be a difference as well. Mike Onwenu's really locked things down on the right side. However, if on we it's going to be weird because Ted Karras has done well inside. So maybe we'll see a rotation around some things. Maybe Onwenu kicks out to left sometimes or kicks out to right. Maybe they put Trent Brown at right. Maybe Isaiah Wynn rotates. Anywho, the Patriots, we'll talk about the line a different day. The Patriots red zone offense is getting better. And I, I've just been enjoying watching this team evolve. And I enjoy being wrong that I predicted this team would get better. I thought it was going to be too little too late. The AFC has helped them out a little bit. But uh, watching this kind of stuff have just watching their whole game evolve has been really, really fun to watch from coaching to execution to everything, especially their defense. But we're talking about the red zone. We see the improvement. The numbers show the improvement. And we're talking about going up against a couple of good defenses in L.A. and Carolina. And a team like the New Orleans Saints cannot catch a break this season. Sean Payton's got to be just pulling his hair out. First, he loses Jameis Winston as starting quarterback to a torn ACL. He's going with Trevor Simeon as a starting quarterback. Maybe Taysom Hill will take some snaps. That made Alvin Kamara the most important player on the New Orleans Saints. Mike Triplett of ESPN wrote today that the New Orleans Saints offense will be even more depleted Sunday at the Tennessee Titans after they ruled out running back Alvin Kamara with a knee and left tackle Teron Armstead with a knee and a shoulder. The Saints, who are 5-3, and three, also ruled out safety C.J. Gardner-Johnson with a foot. The team Thursday had placed rookie defensive end Peyton Turner on injured reserve with a shoulder injury. All four injuries were suffered during New Orleans' costly 27-25 loss to the Atlanta Falcons in Week 9. Kamara is not expected to be out long-term, but it's unclear if he'll miss more time beyond this week. Again, the Saints just can't catch a break, and now they got to go up against Tennessee, whose defense looked phenomenal last week against the Rams. And raise your hand if you were shocked how good they looked against L.A., because I think a lot of the league maybe not the league, but I think a lot of fan bases, I think a lot of experts all believed as soon as Derrick Henry went down, they thought, ooh, this Tennessee team's still okay, but they're going to be in trouble without Derrick Henry. And then they went and beat what was looked at as one of the best teams in football. And, I mean, they dominated the team. Yeah, there was no Odell Beckham Jr. there, but you had Matt Stafford, Cooper Cup. You know, like, it, it's a – my, and against the Rams team that had just had Vaughn Miller. So the Saints are going to be in tough. At this point, they're not going to catch the Bucs for the division. They got to keep holding on to try to get into a playoff spot, but there's so many good teams in the NFC. And it's just unfortunate for, for Sean Payton and, and the Saints, who look like they could be a pretty good team this year, as these injuries just continue to pile up, pile up, pile up. And if I was a betting man, I would be betting on Tennessee to beat the Saints this week, just because... Yeah, Kamara is your most important piece, but turn to other players. Well, no Michael Thomas, no Alvin Kamara, missing a starting tackle, no Jameis Winston. Sean Payton's a great coach, but I don't know how he coaches his way out of this one. And that's it for the Friday edition of Talking Football with Ray. Appreciate everybody who came in. I am off now until Monday. Might have a couple of straggling videos that come out this week. End. There'll be Patriots videos because that's what I care about. Um, if you want to hear me talk about all football, you got to tune in Monday to Friday for the show for the most part. 
you know, everything else is just the videos are just Patriots videos. I am a Patriots fan. I like to talk about the Patriots. And guys, listen, when you join the Ray Route Patreon page, you'll get four exclusive videos fueled by the subjects that you give me every single week. That's right. When you become a Patreon member, you'll get videos exclusive to Patreon Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday. But that's not all. Every second Friday, I host a Patreon hangout for all the Patreon members. If you have the opportunity, you have the opportunity to hang out on the screen with me and other Patreon members. We chat about football, life, politics, just basically just a bunch of friends chopping it up about everything. Come join us there. We also get joined by guys like Lawrence, uh, Connor pops on. Uh, we Mario from hashtag sports. We try to get all, you know, we'd like to bring on guests to come chat. If you can't get in, you don't want to just watch it. You can get involved in the chat. You don't have to be on the screen talking. It's completely up to you. And guys, listen, I don't believe in people paying huge money. I'm not trying to get rich off of talking about football on the internet. I have a full-time job. All right. And I also don't believe in having different tiers. I don't want to exclude people because of their financial situation. I, and I want to make it as cheap as possible. I have one tier. And it's $5 a month and that's it. Everybody pays the same thing and everybody gets all of the content and all of the perks, including a link to our Discord page that's exclusive to the Patreon group. And hey, if you just join Patreon for a month, that link is always there. You'll always be a member. And uh, we're pretty active on there, especially on game days, chatting about football. Listen, there's look at the chat, look at the comments. There's Patreon members who will tell you that it's worth the five bucks. We have a lot of fun on that channel. And again, everything is fueled by you. It's I, I don't pick a single subject. You guys pick all the subjects for me. I talk about it. We like to have our hangouts every second Friday at 830. I'm going to try my best to get Connor to come on and hang out and say hi for at least a few minutes. Uh, hang it out. So look, don't wait any longer. Sign up for my Patreon page by clicking the link I've left in the description. Go to www.patreon.com slash DPN Sports. I promise you, you won't be disappointed. Come join our little community of football fans over on Patreon. Um, and I do that through everything. And, and just to give everybody a little bit of an update, I, I've got another, I've got, I know yesterday I was telling you about one opportunity that I told the guys to go after themselves, but I've got a pretty big opportunity rolling around right now. A lot of discussion. It's going to be a slow opportunity, but uh, it, it's basically something I've been waiting to happen for a long time. I think I finally may have caught my break uh, and I'm really excited to share that with all you guys when I can. Uh, but anyways, enjoy the rest of your Friday. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy football. I'll be back on Monday for talking pay, or talking football with Ray. Until then, guys, take care. And just remember, you're all legit, kid. Do, did, Will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty 
from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. I'm Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people. He, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com.